Well, good morning and happy new year to you. How many stayed up till midnight? You saw the ball drop. How many of you just could not quite get there? Okay. How many of you tried to get there, but neighbors were shooting off fireworks and you couldn't sleep? Not that I'm bitter or anything. I have forgiveness in my heart for most people. Uh, and uh, no, I'm, I probably would have been awake anyway. Uh, but anyway, we are here. 2023. Does that sound absolutely nuts to anybody else? Or is it just me? 2023. And so far, over 10 hours of 2023 are gone. All right? How much of it have you used for God's glory? Now, I know, I know you were asleep a lot of it, right? You're, so, so you're off the hook on, on some of that. I know some of you haven't been awake very long. Some of you are not awake right now. Uh, some of you might be thinking, well, you know what? As soon as the service is over, I will have had 10% of 2023 used in glory to God because I was in church for an hour of the 10 hours. We were 10 hours into it, and you were in church for an hour, so 10%. Keep that going. If you can keep 10% going through 2023, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. I hope that continues uh, for the rest of the year. But I think it's a fair question to ask, how much of your life? life are you going to use for God's glory in the coming year? And I've called this uh, message the State of the Church Address, and my, my intention was to kind of just share with you some of the things that have happened over the last year, like, like some of the additions to the church and, and some of, you know, maybe even some financial things that, that maybe need to be hit on and all that. And the more I started working on that, the more I felt like the Lord was dealing with me to not really worry about that kind of stuff, but talk about what we need to talk about in the coming year. So here's the deal. The state of the church address is really a state of its worshipers, right? As we look at the state of the church, the state of the church is a direct reflection of the state of the worshipers. And the way that I see it, the church is only going to be as strong, it's only going to be as successful as each member decides it's going to be. As the church membership decides what they're going to do with God's word, what they're going to do with their lives, how they're going to use their lives for God's glory. As each of us decides that, that is what is going to cause the state of this church to be either this or this or yeah, kind of hanging out here somewhere. Because I believe that the state of the church is based on how active, how involved, how spiritual, how discipling or discipleable, I don't even know if that's a word, you're going to be in 2023. And the leadership is important. Don't get me wrong. We need our elders. We need our deacons. We need our trustees. The staff certainly plays a part in the church's success. But East Columbus Christian Church will only be as successful as it can be when each member decides to accept their responsibility individually and when each member does their part this church becomes a team that is unstoppable and that's not just the former coach coming out in me I know I used to give rah-rah speeches a lot in the locker rooms before the game at halftime things like that and I would really try to rally the troops and really get the troops fired up so on and so forth uh, this isn't just the former coach giving you a pep talk the Bible says that the Bible says, in, Jesus himself said it uh, to Peter, Matthew 16, 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
So as we become the church that God has called us to be, as we continue down this path of, of, of discipling and this path of, of growing in the Lord as much as we possibly can, um, we are a force that the Bible says is absolutely unstoppable even against the forces of hell. And when each member of this team, each member of this church gives their God-given talents back to God in service to him and service to other people, that's when we start to see amazing things happen. When people decide to, to get in the game, when people decide to start ministering and start serving, that is when I start to see more unity. That's when I start to see more love. That's when I start to see less finger pointing, less criticizing. Not that that's been an issue in the past year, but there is unity and there is harmony. When everybody is working for a common goal, when we decide to get out of the bleachers and get into the game, that's when God starts to bless the church as a whole, when we get involved with the team, we become more of a participant than we do a spectator. That reminds me of a story about a little league baseball coach. He was talking with one of his players one day during the game, and the coach asked the boy, he said, do you know what cooperation is? And the little boy looked him right in the eye and said, yes, yes, I do. Good, the coach said. Do you understand what that really means does it re- do you really understand that that what really matters is that when we win we win as a team and if we lose we lose as a team and the little boy looked at him and nodded again said yes coach the coach continued so when you're at bat and the pitch is called a strike or if you're called out at first base you don't argue with the umpire or you don't cuss at the umpire do you understand all of that little boy nodded yes a third time and the coach said good now go tell your mother that Anybody ever been to a little league game? You know what I'm talking about, all right? In the church, we win as a team, we lose as a team. The Bible says be happy with those who are happy or rejoice with those who rejoice or weep with those who weep, Romans 12, 15. And this comes right on the heels of Paul. He's doing this in in chapter 12. He's talking about the body, uh, the church being the body of Christ and everybody has a gift and everybody's to be using that gift and you're to present your gift, you're to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That God has given each and every person in this room who is a believer a gift to be used. And we need to use it, right? And he says, and when you use it, then you can stop this game of like, like, uh, like I have had a tendency to do sometimes, and I'm sure some of you have as well, where you kind of pretend that everything's okay. You pretend you put on the fake plastic smile and you come into church, you act like everything's all right, even though you might be dying inside. And, 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 and then because you're going through a difficult time and, and you're kind of withering away, maybe spiritually, all of a sudden you start to look at what's going on around you and start to find things that are wrong with other people and other things that are going on in the church. And to me, when I look at Romans chapter 12, it's a great game plan to get away from that. It's a great game plan on how the church should operate. And, and so with that in mind, I want to ask you a question. This is going to be our theme for the year. I know, you know, I used to really hate these cheesy themes that churches would do. I don't know why, you know, it's just kind of like, man, that's really, really corny. And like, like last year we had Who's Your Who in 22. And I was really happy about that one because I came up with that myself. And I was real happy about that one. And I thought someone has, I've had several people ask me, well, what are you going to do in 23? What's our theme going to be in, in 2023? And I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do a, a theme in 2023. But then again, as the Lord started doing it, yeah, we're going to have a theme and here it is. Who will it be 
in 23. All right? Who will it be in 23? I'm going to guess you're going to get sick of seeing this this year. You're going to get tired of hearing me say it. But who will it be in 23? Last year was who's your who. Uh, in other words, we, we did the, the picture with the empty chair. And, you know, who are you, who's going to be here because of you? And we got off to a great start. And, and when the year finished... We had 20 new members, right? And that's exciting. But do you realize we've probably got about 300 current members in this church, maybe more that come and go on a regular basis. And if every person took the challenge, who's your who in 22, and we got 20, It's going to sound like I'm getting on you a little bit, and I guess I am. Um, But the math ain't mathing, right? If everybody took that challenge seriously of leading someone to Christ, um, we shouldn't have any empty chairs. We probably would be in multiple services again. Um, And and so I want to challenge you this morning with the who will it be in 23. It kind of... It kind of carries with it that same message of like, okay, like who's your who? Who's it going to be that fills that chair this week? But it's more than that, or this year, it's, it's more than that. Who's going to step up in 23, right? So, so what I want to get across is, all right, we want to put people in the seats. We certainly want to get new members in the church, and, and we want converts. We want people to know Jesus Christ in, in 2023. 20, but I also want to know who is it that's in this service today that's going to step up and say, yes, I'm going to take that responsibility seriously. Who will it be that will step, uh, step up and become a part of what God is doing? Who will it be that gets out of the bleachers and gets into the game? Who will it be that is a part of this incredible family uh, um, that will be a part of this incredible family because you cared enough about them to tell them about Jesus? Or to invite them to church. See, the church is only going to be as strong and it's only going to be as successful as the membership decides it's going to be. I I can stand up here and I can preach till I'm blue in the face. Some of you are probably, that'd be fun to see. Um, I could do that, I guess. But if we don't respond and we don't take seriously this great commission of leading other people to Jesus Christ... We're not going to reach our full potential that that God wants us to reach. And so here's what I want to challenge you with today. Um, I want to share with you some things that I think we can do this year to improve the individual spiritual health and the church spiritual health overall as, as a congregation. Here's the first thing. Who will it be that takes responsibility? Who's going to own it? Who's going to step up? You know, here, here's what we're good at. You ever notice we're really good at taking credit when good things happen, but we're really bad at owning responsibility when bad things happen. Who's it going to be that's going to step up and take responsibility? We all make bad decisions, and we reap the results of those bad decisions, and it's always easier to find someone else to blame, isn't it? It's always easier to look for somebody else to blame so that when things don't turn out the way that we hope that they turn out, uh, we've got someone else to point a finger at, right? 
accepting personal responsibility for our actions, it's not very popular in our society because we live in a culture that, um, that embraces political correctness, right? You know what I'm talking about? The basic, uh, the basic mindset is this. None of the problems that you have in your life are, are, are your fault. Everything bad that's happening in your life is the result of what somebody else did. It's somebody else's fault. Blame the environment that you grew up in. Blame the educator. Blame your parents. Blame Donald Trump. You can laugh at that. That's okay. Some of you, I don't know if I should I or should I. Blame Joe Biden. You know, we're always, you know, blame somebody. It's not your fault. Blame anybody else. Just don't take responsibility for it yourself. If you get in an accident, it's not your fault. Officer, it's not my fault. You spill some hot coffee on yourself at McDonald's. It's their fault. They made it too hot, you, you know. Take them to court. Sue them. Remember all, when all that happened several 20 years ago or so, whatever. And, and uh, you know, it's just this. It, it, we don't accept the fact that, okay, maybe I'm clumsy. You know, maybe, maybe I goofed and, and we're never going to be as successful in our lives individually in anything that we do if we have the attitude that it's never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault. We've got to accept responsibility for our own lives. We've got to accept responsibility today for why there's empty seats in the church. We got to own it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5 for we are each responsible for our own conduct. The, the hard truth to life is that you are responsible for almost everything in your life. You, you're responsible for how you uh, react to it good, bad, indifferent. I was officiating a basketball game the other night and uh, I called a foul on a player. A kid goes up for a shot, called a foul on the Kid for foul, you know, and, the, and, the, and the, the kid that went up for the shot, he made the basket. And uh, the kid that I called the foul on walks up to the kid as he's walking to the free throw line, takes both hands, and just shoves him in the middle of the back. And the kid goes sprawling. I'm immediately, you know, I'm just going crazy. And, and we toss the kid from the game. For, for what he did. And he was absolutely incredulous as he comes up to me because we threw him out of the game and he said, it wasn't my fault you didn't hear what that kid said to me. And I'm like, all right, here we go, teaching moment, right? And I said, young man, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Your response, that doesn't give you a right to behave the way that you behave. You have to accept responsibility for your action. And it doesn't matter what that kid did. You are only responsible for your own actions. And I see this playing out in our society in several different areas. We always want to blame somebody else. I heard someone say one time that there are three different types of people in the world. There's accusers, there's excusers, and there's choosers. And I want to describe those. And I don't know, uh, in my notes, I didn't highlight those. So I don't know if those are going to make it on the screen or not. But if they're not, let me, uh, 
you might want to write those down in your notes. Accusers, right? The first thing, they will always blame all their problems on somebody else. It's always somebody else's fault. No matter what happens, they see it as a direct result of somebody else's actions. These people, they might seem polite on the surface, but they're always looking at others with a guarded heart, and they're always looking at others suspiciously, and they're always looking at others as if they're the reason they are not able to accomplish what they want to accomplish in this life. So we've got the accusers, and then we've got the excusers. They always have a quick excuse for everything they do or what they don't want to do, uh, and, and they always have an excuse for uh, why something turns out wrong. And these people need to keep in mind that the Bible says it's the lazy man that's full of excuses, right? And so if you are one of those type of people, um, you need to, need to keep that in mind. And then we have the choosers. The choosers fully accept responsibility for the things that they do, the things that they say. These are the ones who make the most of their lives. They choose to walk with the Lord every day. They choose to respond appropriately. They choose to accept responsibility. Now, I don't know where you fall in these three types of people, but my guess is you probably fit into one of these categories. I hope it's the third one. But what we need to do is we need to honestly analyze ourselves, right? We need to honestly sit back and, and, and take a self-inventory and see where we're at and see where we need to go and how we need to change. And once we begin to take responsibility for our own lives, we can go to the next thing that I think is going to make us better disciples in 2023. And that is this. Who will it be that sets godly priorities? We're really good about making resolutions and making plans and setting goals and all of those sorts of things. And we always do that at the, at the new year. I'm going to guess that, that uh, Total Fit and Planet Fitness is going to be absolutely jam-packed tomorrow morning. You want to bet? Anybody want to guess that? Because we make these plans that we're going you know, to get fit or we're going to be spiritually fit or we're going to do this. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to do all of these different things. But, but who will it be that says, listen, my goal for 2023 is to set godly priorities. God has given us this incredible gift called choice. And with this choice, each one of us can decide what we want to do with our lives. We can choose how we're going to live our lives. We can even choose whether we want God as a part of our lives or not. We have that option. Most people in America go about their business day to day without ever putting any real thought into godly priorities in their lives. No. And the only way that we can be successful in our walk with Christ is if we intentionally set those priorities. We're not going to, uh, I heard the preacher say last night at the uh, event that Caleb and I were singing at, the preacher said, you're not, you're not going to drift into being something better. You're not going to drift into being a disciple. If you start to drift, you're always going to drift the opposite direction. So if you want to become the person that God wants you to be, you have to intentionally set priorities. I want to challenge each of you to make a list of the things that are important to you. On that list, I want you to uh, ask yourself questions 
Like, what, what five things do I want to do in 2023? What five things do I want this church to accomplish in 2023? In fact, just take a second to think about that for a moment. What five things do I want to do in 2023? What five things do I want this church to accomplish in 2023? Now, probably one or two things popped into your head. Maybe, you know, you got through all five of them. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know. Now what I want you to do is think about those things that you that just popped into your brain that you want to accomplish. How many of those things affect you? Right? If these things were to come about, these goals that you have, would they make the most for you? Personally, or would they make the most for God? If these things deal mostly with you, let me urge you to throw them away very quickly. <laughs> because I think, and, and I'm not saying neglect yourself, but I, I think that we're often very guilty of, of putting our wants, our needs, our priorities up here, and then God kind of comes in somewhere after that now if you had the Lord in mind when you wrote those down praise God that is awesome and you, the next step for you will be to see how the Lord just fits into those plans and how he can accomplish those through you um, but here are three things that I think need to be at the top of your list if you're taking notes the, the, the three things that need to be uh, at the top of your priority list in 2023 you may not agree with me on this that's okay but I think I'm right. If I'm not, someone I'm sure will tell me. Number one, your relationship with God. That's the most important priority you set. What are you going to do this year to strengthen and improve your relationship with God? Get a Bible reading plan at Connection Central. Download a devotional app on your phone or on your iPad. Commit to it daily. Get into the Word. Pray daily. Read a devotion. Set aside a time slot every day to intentionally be in prayer and meditate on God's Word so that you can work on that relationship because it's the most important relationship we can have. But I've also found that it's and, and I think every one of you will probably agree with that, right? If I say, what's the most important relationship you can have? I say, your relationship with God. But it seems to be that is the most neglected. We all sit here and we say, it's the most important. But do we really mean it? Second, the relationship with your family, right? What are you going to do to build a stronger and better relationship with your family? What are you going to do... Uh, to change something about yourself, maybe, that's going to help you accomplish a better relationship with your family. While I fully believe that your relationship with God is the most important, your family follows it very close behind. It should be right behind it. What are you doing, what are you going to do intentionally this year to strengthen your family relationships? Now, I know as well... As, as you do, you don't, get, you don't get to choose your family, amen? <laughs> and sometimes the holidays remind us of that, amen? Uh, and a lot of times it reminds us we're not on the same page. 
I heard about a young man ask a preacher one time. He said, Dad, I know there's a Bible verse that talks about how we're supposed to treat our parents, honor your father and mother, but I haven't found one that says how to treat our siblings. And the dad replied, oh, yeah, it's there. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, anybody relate to that? All right. What, what are you going to do to improve your relationship with your family? You're only responsible for your actions. You can't control what somebody else is doing. You can only control what you're doing and how you respond. Third, your relationship with the church. What are you willing to do to improve the quality of your church? How involved are you willing to get to help your church accomplish godly success in 2023? How willing are you to try new things? I love Ben Merrill. Ben Merrill passed away this past year at, uh, I think, about 95, 96 years old. And into his late 80s, I, I heard him say one time, I am willing to accept things I don't like in order to reach people who are not like me. What are we going to do to reach people that need to know Jesus? Who will it be in 23 that steps up so that others can know Jesus like I know Jesus, like you know Jesus? Listen, church, we, we will never know the impact that we can have on an individual's life. We will never know the impact that we can have on someone just by stepping up. And being the hands and the feet of Jesus. This past week I received a letter uh, from Jim Williams. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Uh, but uh, the staff knows about this. Dan knows about this. I'm not sure if the elders know yet. But you're about to. Uh, a letter that, that I got that just, um, it, it, it was great uh, from, from Jim. He lives down in Georgia now. Uh, along with his parents and his brothers, and, and they're probably watching this morning. Jim, uh, God bless you. Uh, Dave, Kathy, um, David, I don't, I'm not sure if the brother David is watching or not, but God bless you. Um, that's one thing that the pandemic did for us, was got us online, and people now in other states are watching us on a regular basis, and they're able to be a part of our church um, when they weren't able to before. But in this letter, he, he basically told us how uh, he used, he's been watching us online ever since the pandemic started and how much the church has meant to him. Uh, he went on to say that back in the, the uh, 70s, um, when he was a little boy, his family worshipped here, but then work called his family away but while he was here he was four years old he was in the hospital and he was having surgery and he fondly remembers how while he was in the hospital this church I don't know who did it I don't know if it was a committee I don't know if it was an individual I don't know if it was staff leadership sent a planter to his hospital room ironically uh, it was a fire truck planter and it, I guess it wasn't long after the church had burnt uh, and, uh, but, uh, um, it was the only planner he got. He was in a room with another 
little boy who had tons of planters and balloons and flowers and things like that. He got one. And it was from this church. And he's never forgotten it. He still has it. And he didn't say this in the letter, but I'm guessing that the reason he started watching our service online is because he fondly remembered what this church meant to him and his family years ago when he was a little boy. And so when the pandemic hit and he starts looking for services to watch and to still have church, he found us and they've been watching ever since. And he enclosed a very generous gift to the church. Um, And it certainly touched the hearts of the ministerial staff. Uh, what he did and I, I share that with you to say you never know what kind of impact you're having by what you're doing negatively and positively you never know and so I encourage you to set godly priorities in, in 2023 and to establish do, do what you can do to um, Improve the the church relationship, the relationship you have with the church and the overall wellness of the church because you never know the kind of difference that you can have um, on a person's life. Jim closed the letter by saying, even though it's been years since he's been a part of the church, because he's able to watch online um, now, um, they feel like members again. That's pretty awesome. That brings me to my final point that I want to share with you today. Who will it be that starts now? When your children are small, do you ever remember telling them to do something and you expect them to do it right away, but your kids didn't do it right away. Or were you that kid or you've got those kids now? We're not going to call them out in the service. But, but, but uh, if you've, got, uh, you've ever been there where you're told to do something, if you told your child to do something and they don't do it immediately, right? We have the right as parents to expect certain things to be done immediately when we tell them to do it instead of putting it off. Like, you know, clean your room. That doesn't mean go lay down for a little while and then turn the Xbox on for a little while and then go down the hall for a little. That means clean your room, get it done. I remember one time, I know I've shared this story with you before, but I think it fits well here. I remember my dad taking my mom to Terre Haute to go shopping one day. And before he left, he said, now you make sure you get the kitchen cleaned up before your mom and me get back home. Well, in my defense, a shopping trip to Terre Haute usually was an all-day adventure because it always involved eating out. It always involved going past a couple of our relatives' house and visiting there for a while. So I'm thinking, in my mind, when mom and dad pulled out of the driveway, I've got hours. Have this done by the time I get home. What I didn't plan for was mom getting sick on the way over to Terre Haute. And they turned around and they came back home. And when they got home, I had a yard full of back, uh, uh, backyard full of kids playing wiffle ball. There's about 10 or 12 of us all together. We're playing a big wiffle ball game. Our yard was the yard where everybody played wiffle ball. And that did not set very well with my dad. 
he came out into the backyard. I was up to bat. He came out into the backyard. He stopped the game. He asked me in front of all of my friends, again, 10 or 12 of them there, why didn't you do what you were supposed to do? I guess I didn't give him an acceptable answer because he took the wiffle bat out of my hands and proceeded to warm the backside of my britches. I did the only thing that I could do, and that was sit down. That wasn't a good move. He grabbed me by the ankle, turned me upside down, whack, 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 and just started wailing on, on my, my backside. The neighborhood kids, are, they scattered, man. You know, like, Mr. Bridgewater's gone nuts. Now, should dad have done that? I, you know, CPS would probably say no, <laughs> you know, but did I deserve it? Yeah. Because dad told me <laughs> that I was supposed to do something, and I deserved a paddling because I didn't do what I was supposed to do, regardless of what the circumstances were. Could I blame mom for getting sick? Well, it's mom's fault. She got sick on what? No, right? He came back a lot sooner than I thought he was going to come back. Now, as our Heavenly Father, God also has the right to expect us. He's given us a challenge. He's given us marching orders. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to go into all the world preaching and teaching and baptizing in the name of Jesus. And, and I will be with you to the very ends of the age. He's told us that. When are we going to get started? Because here's what I think is happening. I think a lot of us are acting like I acted with my parents, thinking, I'll just play a wiffle ball game. I got plenty of time. We think, yeah, we, we believe God's coming back, but we don't think he's coming back as soon as what he possibly could. And so we play this game thinking, you know, I got, I got all kinds of time. We don't. We're going to be held accountable for what God has given us to do. And as his children, we need to be about that business. But here's what I've experienced sometimes. And a lot of you are probably sitting out there going, yeah, 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 I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, man, I got to do better. But here's what I've experienced in my own life. I've experienced it in, in uh, staffs that I have served on. I've experienced it with elders with, with, within church. Here's what we do sometimes, and I think the elders would agree with me. I'm not knocking our elders, deacons, trustees, staffing, even myself. Here's what we do. We, we come up with ideas and we say, yeah, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, but then we never implement them and get around to doing them. And I think every single one of us would sit out here and we'd say, yes, I agree with you, Ron. We've got to be about the Lord's business. We've got to be about the Great Commission. We can have the best plans in the world. But if we never get around to acting on them, we might as well not have any plans at all. Three words can change each of our lives. Do it now. Stop putting it off. What are you waiting for? Ecclesiastes 11.4. The wisdom in this is amazing. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. In other words, if you wait for the perfect time 
when everything lines up for you, when you got all of your ducks in a row, conditions are absolutely perfect, then I'm going to jump. That's just Satan whispering in your ear so that you won't do anything. He's not stupid. He's good at creating inaction. As the old saying goes, idleness is the devil's playground. Who will it be in 23 that accepts responsibility, that sets godly priorities, and will start right now? Some of you maybe out there today have been putting off a decision for Christ for quite some time. Maybe you think you've got plenty of time. But what if Jesus comes back sooner than you think? Acts twenty two sixteen. You remember that story when Saul was on the road to Damascus and he's blinded by the great light. It's, it's the Lord appears to him and he's blinded, right? And, and he gets to the home of Ananias and, and, and Ananias prays for him. And, and, and then Ananias says something to Saul, who later we know is, is Paul, um, Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Isn't that a, isn't that a great line? What are you, Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Here's the deal. If you wait till you get your act together before you make that decision, I want, I'll just give you a little heads up. You're never going to get your act together enough. Somebody here today, maybe somebody watching, needs to stop putting it off and just do it. Somebody here today probably needs to just stop with the excuses, start serving the Lord where you know He wants you to serve. I can't tell you what it is, only you can. But listen to what He's saying to you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and, and uh, um, what's left of it. Um, feels a little lonely up here. Um, and we're going to offer a song of decision. And uh, I don't know what it is that he's calling you to do. Um, but I encourage you to be obedient. I encourage you not to put it off. Um, I encourage you to listen to what he's saying to you today. And respond where you need to respond. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Caleb's going to lead us in a song. Um, and um, if you have a need, uh, one of our elders will be up front here. I think Logan's coming up. And if you have a need, uh, you come.